Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. G'day, mates. It's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. I was reading a story that reminded me of an event from over 20 years ago. In the second half of 1998, I had taken a job as a security guard at a plant that made locks. Being a kid, I usually worked one of three shifts, 4pm to 12am, 7.30pm to 3.30am, 12am to 8am. The 7.30 to 3.30 shift was for extra coverage, so there were always two of us there from 7.30 to midnight. It was a routine, boring job for the most part. We did our rounds, logged anything out of the ordinary, and watched a tiny monitor displaying the CCTV feed. And things went by in an almost painfully normal manner for six months. I worked, saved, bought a car, and planned to move. By late March of 99, I served my notice and prepared to head cross-country. A new hire was brought in to fill my spot, a soft-spoken man named Calvin. As part of his training, Calvin spent time working at all hours. That night, he was a shadow, working with myself and the other night guard, getting a feel for the plant's nocturnal routines. Most nights, he worked with myself and Amira, a female guard who was around my age. I was 18 at the time. Calvin, who was about a decade older than us, was quiet and polite, though something did seem to be missing. There's a spark that genuinely nice people seem to have, and he just didn't possess it. Whenever he went on rounds with me, he'd ask questions about the job and make small talk. I noticed that he was a, a little odd, laughing at odd times and changing his tone mid-sentence. At the time, I just kind of chalked it up to him being awkward. But that wouldn't last. So one night, near the end of his first week, he went on rounds with Amira. When 
return to the office, I knew something was wrong immediately. Normally talkative, she would barely say a word now. Not sure what had occurred, I waited until Calvin had gone to the restroom to ask. So, during their trip, everything had been normal until they reached the brass mill, a portion of the plant that shut down at 6pm. There were usually no employees there after that time and no lights. They were making their way to a checkpoint on a landing on top of a flight of stairs when the mood just shifted. She told me that she turned around, only to find that he was right on top of her, Startled, she backed against the grating at the end of the landing and he leaned in towards her, his face nearly touching hers. He flirted in a low voice and when she mentioned his wedding band, he said that it would all be over soon. From then on, I did the rounds, taking Calvin each time with me. The night ended without further incident and I left a note for our supervisor detailing what had occurred. The next night came and went though with no Calvin. I did the rounds while Amira stayed in the locked office, and the same thing after that night too. Then, on my second to last shift, I come in to find her freaking out, because she found out why Calvin hadn't been at work. He had been arrested for murdering his wife. She had been dismembered and burned, parts of her body placed in a pond less than a mile from where we were. That night and next, Amira called the jail to just make sure that they were still holding him. And based on the time frame, he had killed his wife months before he started the job. Close to 10 years ago, my best mate and I scored the deal of the century. Liv and her parents recently purchased and refurbished home for cheapest chips rent so that the property wasn't considered unoccupied and their insurance still covers it. They were planning on selling their house in the country and moving closer to town in a year, but when they spotted this place, it was perfect so they snapped it up. They couldn't be bothered dealing with rando tenants for a year so we were offered it and we took it. It was a lovely old mid-Victorian style house with a hallway running the majority of the length on the left side and three bedrooms and a bathroom coming off that hallway to the right. At the back of the house was an open plan living room and kitchen and a backyard. It was an inner Melbournean suburb so it was totally fenced in with six foot fence on three sides and the front had a courtesy white picket fence. On the right side of the property an outdoor gravel pathway was wedged beside the bedroom walls and the fence line. It began with a gate in the front yard and ran the length of the property to the backyard. This is important for later too. So, my mate obviously scored the master bedroom at the front, with lovely vertical opening bay windows facing in the front garden and the street. I had the next bedroom with a window facing the gravel path and the fence, and the third bedroom was our study. We lived here for close to 10 months I think, pretty much in total bliss great house, great company, and even though the area was considered a, a little bit dicey, the location was just stellar. Now, one hot summer's night, we said our good nights and I hit the hay and zonked out immediately. My housemate stayed up in bed to read for a bit with just her bedside light on. She was doing that for just over an hour before she heard a, a weird kind of scritch scratch on the front window of her bedroom. Initially, she put it down to an overhanging tree branch till she realized that there was no overhanging tree branch there. 
She sat, kind of frozen in fear, blankly staring at her book for what felt like an eternity, till she heard the noise again and again. Slowly looking up now, she saw a dude wearing a hoodie trying to open a window, looking her dead in the eyes. As she screamed, jumped out of bed, and ran right into my room, I woke up super dazed as she was pulling my hand and kind of whisper yelling, you know the one, that someone was trying to break in. She had a tendency to be a little bit overdramatic sometimes, but I swear to you that I've never seen someone look so genuinely terrified. I went to grab my phone to call the cops, but we just went completely still when we heard the distinct crunching sound of someone walking down the side path of the house. We both rolled off my bed onto the floor and went completely still. The crunching continued, getting closer to my bedroom window now. I don't know what it is about distinct sounds at night when it's otherwise quiet, but it sounded deafening. And then I realized why it was so loud. Because my window was wide open. I jumped up, slid the window down and slammed the lock shut just as he reached that window. He looked at me, but he didn't react at all. He just calmly tried to open the window, but when he realized that he couldn't, he continued down the pathway to the backyard. I was thoroughly shitting myself now, and my housemate was sobbing in the floor looking up at me like a bunny about to be torn apart by a fox. I sprinted to the back door to thankfully find it locked and ran back to my room and immediately called the cops. I don't know what the cops knew that we didn't, but they must have broken a land speed record to arrive all of three minutes later, both lights and sirens off. We saw them go down the side path, guns drawn straight to the backyard. There were some noises from the yard, then a knock at the door a moment later, and the police identified themselves. Turns out, the dude had vaulted the back fence, an impressive feat, and another patrol car was headed to the next street over to look for him. The two cops at our place asked if we were okay, then asked if they could come in and take a look around. The cops were honestly amazing, but they managed to calm us down whilst making sure the place was safe, and I was just really impressed with how they handled the situation. I offered them a cup of tea, which they politely declined as they took our statements, and they asked if there was anyone that we could stay with tonight. My housemate and I stayed at her boyfriend's place for a few nights after that, and when we stayed in the house, it was just never the same after that. We felt completely violated, and ended up moving out a few weeks after that. We never found out if the dude was actually caught, but... Strangely enough, there was a random stabbing a few nights after the incident at the train station two streets over. If it was related or not, I don't know, but all I can think is that we were very lucky that it went the way that it did. Whenever I took the bus for school, I was pretty alone on the bus rides most of the time. I was always on one of those small buses... We did have other kids, but the highest amount of kids in the bus was probably around five or something, including me. I was the only one from my school on there, but all the other kids went to the same school. I should also mention too that I've had about four different bus drivers in my time, and the one that I'm about to talk about lost her husband about a year before and was out for a long time. Anyway, this takes place four or five years ago now. I was pretty young still, 
For morning rides, we dropped off the other kids and we were heading to my school. And we were the only ones on the road when the bus suddenly stops on the side of the road. I was really confused and I thought the bus had broken down. Being the shy kid that I was, I didn't say anything and I just kind of waited. My bus driver then randomly opened the door and I started to feel a bit uneasy for some reason. We weren't at my school yet, so why was she opening the door? And she was just staring out the door for like two minutes when I finally asked her, uh, Excuse me, are you okay? There's a man there, she said in such a low voice that it gave me chills. But when I looked, there was no man there or no person at all. She just kept staring for a couple of seconds when she finally closed the door and then just continued driving down the road. She wasn't my bus driver after that year and quite honestly, I kind of miss her. She was a very sweet lady, but that moment, I don't know what it was about it, but it still freaks me out. I sometimes think that the man that she was talking about was maybe her husband. I don't know. I don't know why she stopped the bus like that and opened the door for a stranger, but it was weird. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now... All you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. I attended a, a pretty awful university in the UK. In fact, it was so awful that Vice even published an article written by a student that attended at the same time as me, titled the three years of hell at the University of Wolverhampton. I lived in a student building in the middle of the city. Of the three student buildings available, it was the middle choice. But literally, it was situated in the middle of the three, and also figuratively, it was the middle, not as fancy as the fancy one, but not as unbearable as the worst one. Most of my friends lived in the fancy building, 
And to get there, I had to walk a small trek through a residential part of the city. But somehow, my friends found a shortcut. You could actually cut through and climb up at the back of the garden behind this uh, abandoned house, I think, to get there in less than half the time. And so I started using this shortcut all the time. Now, one morning, I walked around towards the garden and down to my shortcut and found three grown men just standing there. They all looked, for lack of a better word, thuggish and quite large. I uttered a small, oh, when I saw them and they looked up at me. A pale 19-year-old gay country boy with a blonde mohawk. I think that I apologized for barging in on what I was pretty sure was a drug deal, and I turned to walk back the way that I came and take the long way around. As I walked away, one of them shouted to get my attention. I ignored them, and then I heard them coming after me, so I started to run pretty quickly. I was much younger, slimmer, and fitter back in those days, so I managed to outrun them pretty easily and sprinted all the way around the long route to my friend's building, where they let me in. I explained what had happened, and no one was surprised. I mean, this was Wolverhampton after all. A few minutes later, a friend of ours arrived. He lived at a non-university student building off campus, and had to walk a different way to get to where we were. When he arrived, he asked me, Kyle, what did you do, man? I asked him why, and he said that an enormous guy had come up to him and asked if he'd seen a guy with a blonde mohawk, but my friend acted dumb, even though he immediately knew who he'd been talking about. My poor choice of hairstyle was fairly distinct. The worst part, though, the guy was carrying a brick in his hand. It still gives me shivers all these years later, but it doesn't end there. So, me and my friends went out for a day out to Birmingham, bright lights, big city, whatever, and we didn't get home until late. When we got back to their building and drank until way after midnight, I started to relax and forgot my horrible ordeal from earlier that morning. At some point, more than a little drunk, I decided to head home. I was now pretty sure that I would never take the shortcut again, so I just took the long way home instead. As I was walking through the residential area, a car stopped on the opposite side of the road. And there were two guys inside, and the car was filled with smoke and just stank of weed when they rolled down the window to speak to me. I didn't have headphones in or anything, and I was the only person on the street, so I couldn't just ignore them or pretend that I couldn't hear them. The driver said, Nice hair, bud. And his friends began to laugh. Wait, mate, do you know where we can get some food? Uh, I don't know, I'm in the city centre, I said. I kept walking, trying not to show them how unnerved I was. They were facing the wrong way to drive alongside me, so the driver put the car in reverse so that they could keep pace with me. Do you know any places? Uh, a few. Um, there's a kebab place at the top of the road, I think. Get in, you can show us, yeah? Uh, listen, man, I'm drunk and I'm tired and... I've got lectures in the morning, dude, I said, trying to sound casual even though I was just about ready to piss my pants. It really hadn't been a good day. We're going to turn around and come back and pick you up. Wait there, yeah? The driver said. As the car started towards the end of the road, which was a dead end, to turn around, I heard the passenger say, It's him. I know it's him. 
the car was far enough away, I broke into a sprint and ran back towards my building. I stumbled down the stairs and twisted my ankle pretty badly, but eventually managed to limp the rest of the way and got through the front door, just as the car drove past. I really dread to think what could have happened that day. And for the rest of my time at that god-awful university, I prayed to never meet any of those guys again. Fortunately, I never did. When I was a junior in high school, I was quite an odd kid. I liked having colourful hair, piercings and all that kind of stuff. And the school that I went to was near Atlanta, so there weren't many people like me. I tried to find friends that liked the same kind of music and other interests that I had, and I could normally kind of push off any weird energy that people put off, just ignore it, because I just wanted some friends. Anyway, I was in gym one day hanging out with a group of weirdos, and there was a guy that I hadn't seen before. He was wearing a Guns N' Roses t-shirt and jeans that were like a size too small. His name was Ernest. We immediately clicked with each other in a kind of platonic way because we laughed at a lot of the same things. We started hanging out in the gym together every day, people watching and making fun of people playing basketball. And it wasn't too long until he started making fun of my appearance and making me feel absolutely terrible about myself. I actually had really bad acne, like super bad in high school, and he joked saying that I had meth skin first strike. Me being me though, I kept hanging out with him and eventually it led to hanging out after school as well. He would invite me over to his house and we only stayed in his room. He refused to let me meet his family. His parents didn't really speak English but I still wanted to meet them anyway. Plus I always thought that it was a little bit weird that Ernest didn't know Spanish but his siblings did and when he would speak words it sounded Russian. He pretty much only played It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia on TV and rambled about superheroes and would always come up with these strange scenarios where he was an evil villain and how much power he could have and all this sort of stuff. Anyway, fast forward a little bit and I get a job at a pizza place. Ernest gets the same job at this pizza place too. So, inevitably, we're always together. Like, always. He pretty much never let me out of his grasp and it got to a point where he took me to school every day in his PT Cruiser, which I still get chills every time that I see one of those damn shoe-shaped ass cars. And it wasn't too long after this that we started skipping school a lot. I mean, we pretty much went to school about two or three times a week maybe. This is where it starts to suck pretty bad too. So he started pressuring me to do sexual things with him. I don't really want to get into the details because it's pretty disturbing, but he manipulated the situation in such a way that I felt like we were in a relationship because I thought that I needed him. He really convinced me that we were a couple, but I was so repulsed by him that I never could fully accept that. He started telling our other friends that he had sex with me and that we were in a relationship too. I denied it all, and to this day I deny it. I've lied to therapists, and I've lied to my friends, but right now, I'm admitting to all of that. At one point, though, he ended up living with me and my family in the same room as me. 
He had convinced my entire family that he was gay so he could live with me. He literally dressed up in pink and put a scarf around his neck and pranced around my aunt trying to win her over with his fake personality. I was so used to living in chaos that this was barely a problem for me. During all of this, he was such a rude piece of shit to me though. For instance, I remember asking him for a ride one day, I can't remember to where, but he said no, for no good reason. I started getting really pissed off because he couldn't actually give me a reason, and he just kept smirking at me. He did this type of thing frequently too. We were sitting in the living room one day, and he silently got up and just drove off somewhere, came back, walked to the living room doorway, stared at me for 15 seconds, and then walked into my room. I hear a bunch of rustling, so I storm in there thinking that he's up to something sketchy, and he's gotten completely dressed into his sleep pants with his hands in his pocket, and he just wouldn't take his hand out of his pocket. At this point, I'm kind of scared, so I force my hand into his pocket, and I pull out a knife, and I don't remember how the night or the days continued after that, but that was the first thing that really creeped me out. Fast forward again though and I'm at my best friend Kayla's birthday party and everyone's camping in the backyard. Ernest hated Kayla because she was way out for me, in his perspective anyway. She got in the way of us apparently and I'm sweating typing this out because this is probably one of the scariest things that's ever happened to me. The sequence of events is a little bit blurry but I do remember most of it. So I had made it clear to Ernest at this point in time that we were not a thing and that he needed to let go of this fantasy. I had a crush on this boy named John and we slept in the same tent together. Morning comes and I hear Ernest outside asking people if they knew where I was. Someone said she's in the tent with John. I was scared immediately and I knew something bad was about to happen. He begins screaming as loud as he can, cussing all of us out, and just pitching an absolute fit, and then he just storms off. He goes to his car and calls me and tells me to get in the car, now. Everyone there was freaked out, and Kayla advised me not to go into the car, because she knew how scary Ernest was just as a person. I didn't want anyone to be uncomfortable, so I figured that if I went to the car it would ease everyone just a little bit that he wasn't there so I went and as soon as the car door closed we sped off fast and I mean really fast I looked over at him wide-eyed and he screamed crying with absolutely no expression in his face tears streaming but completely emotionless it was really weird he says to me you were supposed to love me over and over again and he starts speeding faster and faster and said, if I can't love you, then no one else can. I'm actively having a straight panic attack in this passenger seat. I can't hear because my ears are ringing and I can't see anything. Meanwhile, Kayla has already called my mum and somehow my mum left the house fast enough to track us down in the PT cruiser. And he parks at a church and my mum is watching us. And Ernest has a box cutter at his side. I get a call from my mum and... I can't really remember what she said, but I know it was something along the lines of, I'm going to kill you, Ernest. He started coming to his senses after that, if you can even call it that, and drops me back off at Kayla's and tells me that he's going to end himself after he drops me off. 
Kayla and I are frantically trying to call his parents, but they can't speak English. In the end, though, he called the police on himself because he thought that he was going to harm himself or somebody else. He was gone for a couple of weeks after that, and when he came back, he was parked outside my school just waiting for me to come out. He runs up to me, and I noticed that he had on a, a plaid button-up shirt and it was tucked into his pants, which was just extremely odd to me. And I knew immediately, too, that this was a completely fake personality. He was speaking differently as well, proper almost, like a few weeks had turned him into a saint. It wasn't long after that that I had admitted myself into a mental institution because I just kept breaking down. Everyone in the group told me to get rid of him and I'd not realized just how serious this all was until I saw everyone's reactions to the stories. There are so many other stories too of this psycho but I really don't have the time to type all of them out. I will say that I did get rid of him and I found new friends and without them I really don't know how I would have gone. I haven't seen or spoken to him in about three years and I'm hoping to keep it that way. Once when I was about 12 years old, I woke up in the middle of the night needing to take a leak. I walked across the hall to the little bathroom, hit the lights and was about to reach for the toilet when I glanced up and saw a, a face in the mirror and it wasn't mine. It was as if someone was on the other side standing to the right with their face right next to the glass staring at me. I only saw it for the briefest moment but it's forever seared into my mind. I screamed and ran out of there to find my dad and of course my dad investigated and calmed me down or tried to. Eventually we had a prayer session because I was so freaked out and I must have gone back to sleep at some stage. Fast forward to my 30s I'd forgotten all about the event. One night while visiting my dad quietly brings it up and he says... Hey, do you remember that one time that you saw the face in the mirror? It suddenly came back to me in a rush of memory, sending a chill down my spine. Yeah, I remember that. Well, he said, I sometimes think about that night. He looked down at the floor with a serious expression. Because uh, I saw it too. He went on to describe exactly what I'd seen, and we still have no idea what it was. Apparently when he investigated, he saw it and had a freak out of his own. Apparently the prayer session was as much for his own nerves as mine. And I respect him for keeping that tidbit from me to my 30s, but I kind of wish that he never had told me. This happened within the last 24 hours. So I live in a large city in the US... And like many people, I've taken it on myself to try and get back in shape during the new year, so I've recently got into running and lifting five days a week. Yesterday was a run day for me, and I usually start at my apartment and cross over to this long park that runs the river close to my apartment. The park is filled with sports fields, tennis courts, and many runners along the pathway too. I've been going two or three times a week for just over a month now. So... I was on my run last night listening to a podcast minding my own business and decided to go a little further than I normally do. 
to this kind of longer stretch where the park sort of ends for like a half mile before it picks back up again. Kind of uh, an area where they park equipment. Many people avoid this area due to it kind of being not waterfront and kind of ugly. But I decided to run to the end of this area before circling back home. As I'm running, I see a man, 200 or feet so ahead of me, kind of walking in my direction. Not unusual at all. I've passed like 40 people already. But this area is empty except him and I as most people circle back. Still though, I ride my bike here to commute for work and have never gotten weird vibes. I'm also an average built man and feel pretty secure most places in my relatively safe neighborhood. So, I keep running, listening to my podcast, when I notice the man's path is directly in line with me, as in, if I continue 150 more feet, I would dead set run into him. So, I shift to the other side of the path, 10 or so feet, keep running, not paying attention. Looking back up now, and he's in my path again. Still no alarms, because... Well, maybe he shifted to get out of my way too, and we did that thing where you kind of walk into each other almost. So, I shift back to the side that I started on, and this time I watch him, and he shifts to my side. I'm thinking this guy must be messing with me. I'm 50 feet away now, and between there and 20 feet, I keep shifting more and more quickly, and he follows me exactly to the point that... He's sidestepping instead of moving forward, waiting for me to reach him. At this point, I take his presence in. He's 6'3 at the shortest, in jeans and black hoodie with a hood up. Can't really make out his face due to a streetlight behind him casting a shadow, but I begin to realize, oh shit. I come to a stop and go to pull my headphones out and begin the sentence, what the hell's up man? I get to the what the hell part when... He raises both arms above his head and begins to scream at me. No legible words that I can hear over my podcast at least and I do notice that he has something long and white or beige in his hands. And at this point, I begin to backtrack, keeping eyes on him. All of a sudden, he dashes towards me running with his arms stretched out to grab me. I turn and hightail it the other way. It should be known too that I'm not in the best shape at this point. I've had numerous injuries requiring surgeries and I've just done about 75% of my intended run for the night. But I can tell you that I've never run faster. He kept pace though and closed much of the distance but when we started going slight uphill I continued to make ground. We came to a fork in the path after about a minute of this. The two paths circled around a fenced in area that contained a construction vehicle or mowers etc. And I made it look like I was going one way and at the very last moment dashed the other way. The paths kind of made a circle so I was able to get far enough ahead to where he couldn't see me via the fence and bushes. And when I felt like it was my chance I dove into a bush, clawed my way under the fence and crawled through the space and out the other side of the fence. He kept looking for me in the bushes prowling back and forth and finally saw me on the other side of the enclosure. And at this point... I was already on the phone with the police trying to get help as gulped down breaths of air were continuing. I was also warning other runners and he eventually just followed my pace opposite side of the fence. He kept ducking into darker areas around the enclosure and eventually I just lost sight of him. I began getting worried again and kept wandering around warning people while I was waiting on the cops. 
After about 15 minutes of not seeing him, I just pieced the hell out of there as the cops said that they were close. The jog home was horrible and any time a runner passed me, I would have a mini panic attack. I was kind of in shock, I think, and running off adrenaline the remainder of the night. I'm not really sure what happened or what was going on. It felt like it was something from a, a movie. Today I checked the Citizen app and Twitter to see if anything had happened, and I'm not sure if it's related. It most likely isn't, but five hours after I called the cops, they pulled the body of a man out of the river a mile or two downriver from where the attempted attack initially occurred. This is something that I share with new people that I meet sometimes, but obviously no one believes me. My family moved to a new house in 2011. I was 17 or 18 years old at the time. It's one of the first houses built in town and it's very old. We found newspapers in fact dating back to events of Russian revolution. And yes, I live in Russia. I must say that the house itself has different extensions built much later and basically the oldest wooden part of the house is right in the middle. In the part of the house that we own, or rather I should say apartment, we've only one wooden room on the first floor. When we moved in I decided to choose that oldest said room and I remember feeling like I just wasn't welcome there from the very first day. Quite honestly too, I really didn't put much thought into it at first but it very quickly got very spooky. So I remember seeing objects move on their own, a rope crawling on its own underneath my bed while I sat on it, footsteps at night, weird buzzing sounds that I once recorded on a camera, and once I witnessed a sheet of paper stealthily crawl from the top surface of the desk to drawers as I was sitting in it. It was evening and the desk lamp was on but it didn't spook me too much but it kind of made me indignant like what the hell? Is this for real? I grabbed that sheet of paper from whatever force was holding it and I just kind of chuckled in disbelief. But each day it just got a, a little more terrifying. And the two worst events that I remember go as follows. So it's midnight and I'm in bed just trying to fall asleep. And something's bothering me and I feel eyes on me but my own eyes are closed. I decided to open them and I shit you not that there's a floating face of a man right above my bed. Thick eyebrows, angry expression, just a head staring at me and no body. We locked eyes for a minute in silence and I was too afraid to move. Eventually though I forced myself to rush out of the room and that night I slept with my mum like I was five years old again. And the second one, I was actually having a dream, and I can't recall all the details, but all I remember is it was about a kid. A kid around eight years old, I think. Skinny, light blue top, and dark blue shorts. I remember drawing it at the time, too, because the dream just felt really surreal, and anyway, I suddenly woke up, and I thought to myself, it must be around 3am, and I decided to check my phone to see if I was right, and... The moment that I flinched, I heard loud and clear someone running away from my bed towards the hall. Luckily, eventually I moved to the second floor, but it was probably the scariest year of my life. It seems like whatever it was, it kind of deliberately avoids newer parts of the house and for some reason sticks with the old. 
I don't know. But nobody lives in that room anymore and it's just a bit of a guest room now. So I guess that whatever's in there might be happy now. About three years ago, I went camping with my girlfriend, now ex, as she had always expressed interest but never had been. The spot that we went to is in the Huron National Forest and is my go-to trail or camp spot as it's hidden deep in the forest and the access to the trails is close and easy for ATVs. My family has not been going to this spot for about six years now and my friends had introduced me about ten or so years. But we went for a weekend trip and I'm glad that we didn't go any longer. When we got there, everything was going well except we did notice a group of people that were hanging out next to our campsite but they were just kind of stargazing and ended up leaving at some point. Then around midnight is when the weird stuff started to occur. At first it sounded like someone was laughing at us but the laugh never ended and got very high pitched and sounded as it just kind of kept going. After a while we both kind of got a little bit scared and went into the tent to try and sleep and that was when the laugh of the noise moved up higher and then started to circle the campsite. After a while of that happening it just all of a sudden stopped and then started again at around 3am. When it started again the fire was going out so I went and stoked the fire with my shotgun in hand and turned on the flashlight to see if maybe I could see any coyotes or something around the campsite but when I did I didn't see anything or hear any movements below. This all went on until 6am and then stopped and that was finally when we were able to get some rest. After we woke up we checked around the campsite and didn't see anything out of the ordinary so we just kind of packed up. Once we were packed up and good to go, I go to start my vehicle and it's just completely dead. That really freaked me out as I'm always paranoid about leaving things plugged in that kill the battery and I made sure everything was closed properly and unplugged, yet somehow the battery just still died. I was able to get a jump from a AAA and the phone call was hard to explain and the lady who took the call didn't believe me but at the end we both just laughed at it. But after that happened, I told my friend who had shown me the campsite and also has a cabin in the same forest, roughly 25 miles away from that campsite, about what happened and he got freaked out. He told me about two incidences which he has had, one at the campsite and one at this cabin. At the campsite he stated that one night after we had all returned from trail riding and went to bed, he stayed up to hang out by the fire and have a few drinks. While he was hanging out, he was just looking off into the distance and when he did, he saw a pair of eyes up in the trees looking directly at him. He described them as kind of bioluminescent eyes and he flashed his high-powered flashlight at them, but when he did, there was nothing there and as soon as the flashlight turned off, they were there again looking right back at him. So he just packed up and went right to bed that night. He didn't tell us because he didn't want to scare us, plus he wasn't sure if we would believe him. At the cabin though, he was hanging out with his brother and they were both just chilling by the fire outside when they both saw a pair of eyes looking at them from a trail that leads into the woods. They stated that at the height the eyes were looking at them, whatever it was, had to have been at least seven feet tall, if not taller. 
They started shooting at it with their rifles, two 30-30s, and the eyes disappeared, but once they were done, they reappeared and were closer this time. At that point, they both freaked out and went back into the cabin, and they didn't leave until daylight. We have no idea what this could have been, but all of us have felt very scared when these events were happening. After we all talked about it, one of the brothers thinks that it's a Wendigo... I really don't know what to believe about that, and I don't know what it could be, but I haven't felt that scared since that night. This is something that I didn't realize the severity of until I was much older. So, my mum had left me and my brother home alone one day. It was midday, my brother was 12, maybe 13 or so I think, so I must have been around 9 years old. I was watching him play Xbox in our living room, he had his headset on talking to his friends, when there was a knock from the door in our carport. I run and answer the door without looking, and it's a grown man that I've never seen before. We're separated by the screen door, which at the time was actually unlocked. He asks, Hey kid, are your parents home? and horror just immediately washes over me. First of all, he's knocking from the carport, which is strange in and of itself. A stranger would knock on our front door, right? Plus, our carport is empty. We only had one car, and my mother had taken it. I have a feeling that this man knows that my parents aren't home. I'm afraid, I really don't know why, but I was immediately scared. My brother in the other room comes to mind, and while I've never had a father figure, my brother has always been the one who has made me feel safe. He was the strongest person in the world to me, someone who could protect me in any situation, how most people would regard their father, I think. Anyway, I feel as though I can barely speak, and I'm wide-eyed, and I manage to stutter out eventually. Uh, no, but uh, my big brother's here. Without even a moment's pause, this man reaches for the screen door and starts to open it. And, like an act of God or divine intervention of some sort, an arm reaches out from behind me over my shoulder and grabs the door. My brother pushes past me, holding the door, forcing the man back with his presence. The man tells my brother that he was looking to buy some crappy old swing set that was in our front yard at the time. And eventually, my brother closes the door and just goes back to his headset and continues playing. I sit down as well and I just continue watching him and I don't believe we ever told our mum for some reason. Luckily, I never encountered this person again and it pretty much fades from my memory. But as I got older, it did become one of the scariest things that's ever happened to me. Creepy, and not so much because of what happened, but what could have? It was just really unnerving how absolutely oblivious we were to the whole situation. I like to think that the man was planning to lock me in a room, rob the place and leave, but boy, people can be really evil sometimes. So, who knows? G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one.
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.